0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us this week. As always, I've got exciting guests that come and have conversations with me. And um, I've got somebody who will introduce themselves and we are going to have an exciting conversations um, around leadership, but let me me not get into it. So if you're finding it for the first time, finding us for the first time, please make sure that you follow us. And if you've been here for a while, thank you for doing that. Continue liking and commenting and giving us some ratings. Anyway, on the chat today, I've got Kelly. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing
1: great. How are you today?
0: I am great. Thank you very much for being here. And as I say, people on this platform introduce themselves because they do a better job than me. Please introduce yourself.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So I'm Kelly Featheringham. I'm an executive and leadership coach based outside of Washington, D.C. in the United States. I work with individuals and teams to help them improve their leadership and team dynamics. Wow. In in my previous
0: um, episode, I was interviewing somebody from Mauritius and and i was saying i've gone global it's very exciting it is very <laughs> and and i'm just enjoying meeting different people from different countries but as we were saying before we started is that the reality is that we are all facing the same things right we are human beings that's what it boils down to
1: exactly so true the challenges are everywhere exactly so yeah, um, Kelly, so today we're talking
0: about leadership and and um, leading remote teams. So please just give me your definition of leadership. I always love people's definitions of the topic. It doesn't have to be the standard definition for everybody, right?
1: No, no. I like to define it in that we are leaders are people that are supporting others that recognize that failure is common and that we learn from every failure our teams learn from every failure and as leaders we provide the support and space for our teams to de- develop grow and be successful together instead of trying to one up or compete it's it's more of a collective and i think leaders are really strong in supporting the power of the group as opposed to any one person. Yeah, I, I like that definition. But immediately, as you were,
0: say, you were saying that, it, I, I got to think, do you think leadership is, you are born with it or is it something that you're taught?
1: Hmm. I think that... That's a great question. I I think that we might be born with some inclination to want to be a leader. I think that there are some folks that are influenced early by leaders and it brings it to their attention. So we may have certain skills that make us better leaders right off the bat, but I don't think that anybody is just a natural, amazing leader. I think that true leaders want to be good leaders. And because they continue to want to be better and be a good leader, they put the time, they take the time and the development and, and focus on improving as a leader because we can always grow. Even the best leaders are continuing to grow and improve. So I think that it's definitely a learned and, and influenced by somebody that we've seen to show us the way of this is what a true leader is. And, and we kind of get enamored by that, if you will, or, or impressed by it and want to follow in that footstep
0: yeah no yeah. I think I think about buy that. and but I always i i I look back at my journey in from my personal career. But I look back when I was in high school because I ended up being the head girl at my school. and And I remember we all got um there's a a teacher walked into our class, called out a number of names, and we were then brought into the staff room and where the teachers were sitting. And we were all just standing there thinking, why are we here? What's going on? And then the next minute, just like, no, we've nominated um, the leadership of the school. And they started saying the names. So these were the prefects. And, and these were the deputy head girl and the deputy head boy. So I'm standing there going, oh, okay. And the next minute, it's like, Pume, you are the head girl. And I'm standing there and I'm going, why me? based on what? <laughs> and, and, and I think why I'm sharing that story, there's an ele- what I've found is that there's an element of you maybe not seeing yourself as a leader, but other people seeing that in you. Have you seen that?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I wonder, it's interesting, right? I wonder where that, where that comes from, where that comes from internally, that they were seeing that, that we don't see that necessarily. And somewhere along the lines, you developed in such a way that you were kind of a take charge person, maybe, right? Maybe you saw somebody else in your life that didn't just sit on the sideline and and see how things go. They were more of a conductor as opposed to someone in the chorus, right? They were more of the person that walked to the front of the room and said, let's let's do that, initiates ideas, shares ideas, and feels more confident. So yeah, what a great story. That's exciting. No,
0: it actually just popped in my head as we're talking. (laughs) But anyway, yeah. So, so let's talk about remote teams, Hmm. and let's define it as well. Then we'll we'll start bringing it into for it to come alive. If we're talking about remote teams, um, what does it mean?
1: I define remote teams as any could be hybrid it could be fully remote it's any group of people that are working together on a daily basis or a weekly basis and they're not co-located in the same place it could be in different places some people could be home and some people in the office it could be all over the world it could be in different different states different countries but they're not meeting on a daily basis in person to be able to to work together in in physically
0: in the same space oh, yeah okay no that makes sense. And I think what and since the world of work has changed so much, there's like this hybrid element that also also happens. And and usually in my head I'll think remote teams, I'll I'll literally think location. That's what used to come to me. But the way you've just explained it actually makes it makes far more sense. And 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 talk to me a little bit. So let's backtrack. Talk to me a little bit about your own career journey and how you've ended up um, being an executive um, coach that is very much interested in the leaderships in the leaderships and team space.
1: I worked for the government here in the U.S. for a long time before I was an executive coach, and my role was in foreign affairs. So I led teams in multiple countries simultaneously, and. My job was to make sure they had what they needed to be successful, to make sure that they had the resources and that I was listening to them and making sure that they had whatever they needed so that we could achieve our our goals and objectives. And then all of us would be successful together. So it's interesting when I started my coaching business, I thought that I was just going to do one-on-one with senior leadership folks and do mostly leadership coaching, but my clients really drove the evolution of my business to lean much more into teamwork as well. I think some of the some of the things we talked about my my previous work must have been showing up and my passion for the the power of having teams and great leaders leading teams and making sure that we're being supportive and and really just kind of dialing things in with COVID and remote teams, I think a lot of my strengths having managed remote teams and hybrid teams for so many years really was very powerful to some of the folks that I worked with because they were new to having people at home and trying to figure out ways to bring people together and and help them to kind of settle in with the the new normal that was remote for a lot of people working remote is not comfortable and not mm-hmm. optimal whereas other people really embrace it quite quickly and then you've got this very mixed reviews from your team of of what's going on and that impacts their work every day that impacts how they're showing up how they're how they're interacting with one another and how they're getting their job done so that really ended up being kind of the final puzzle piece to my coaching moving from a lot of individuals to more into the team space yeah but I think I think because you had done it for a
0: while um having to do so what what's the exciting part for you dealing with teams just in general?
1: I love the sense of community. I love helping people to see that it's not to say that we shouldn't look out for ourselves in our career and and what we're doing. And we certainly, as individuals, we bring a lot to the table, but as a group, we bring so much more. And if we're open to working with others, I think the teams get think back to when you're in school and you get assigned to doing a project where you're with a group. There's always mm-hmm. that person that doesn't do the part that you think they should, and then someone ends up, usually the leader ends up being the one that drives all of it. So teams, in a lot of ways, I think from when we're young, get such a bad bad reputation of being worse than just I'll just do it myself. And I mm-hmm. think that when teams are coached and trained the right way to recognize the value, of all of their collective knowledge and strengths and skills and the support that you get from being part of a team is really powerful. And we've gotten away from that in a lot of ways, I think. And I I, I want that to come back. I, I have benefited from being a part of many different teams, both in sports as a child and in work. And I think that it's changing, life-changing.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. But you know, as individuals, I think we can be so different. There are people that enjoy working on their own and they just want their cubicle or they want their office just to sit there, do what they need to do and just leave them alone. And, and now you're trying to bring them into the team and there's like this resistance, like why? Why do I need to be doing this? Um, how do you handle those people? Because it's such a different mindset of, it's like people that enjoy being in team sport and people that enjoy just being in individual sport. How do you make sure that the other people really come in, even if it's not, it's not something that's natural to them?
1: It's a great, that's a great point. And it, I think the key to that is recognizing that we all do have different work styles and being respectful of that. They still are bringing value to the team. They're just bringing it in a different way and being respectful of maybe they, they need a little bit more space. Maybe they need to go and do their work and just report out at fewer, fewer time slots. Maybe it's a matter of them having different styles in, in how they communicate. I think that that's very important for the leaders of the team to recognize and understand their team and understand what motivates them. How they work best and amplifying that and making it okay for the team to respect that, not picking on people because they work different, but embracing that and saying, you know, this person works really well this way. So we're going to give them the space to do it. But then they're going to come in and they're going to make us all look good with their piece because they were able to work in the way that they needed. They're still a part of the team. If there's a challenge or they need support in some way, that's the kind of support that person needs. So really understanding your your staff and knowing what they need Mm -hmm. from you back to that piece as a leader, being supportive of what each member of your team needs to be supported, needs to be supported to, to benefit the collective.
0: Yeah, no. And, and I think that's a very great point because understanding individual team members is at the core of then the team being successful. And, and, and I really, I, I get that. What are the challenges though that you've witnessed or with that you've you've experienced yourself since you've you've worked with teams even before? And what are you seeing with also your clients when it comes to um um remote um managing teams remotely?
1: Communication. Communication is probably the number one challenge. that I see. I think that we all have such different styles of communication. Uh, I I recently wrote a book about assumptions, boundaries, and communication, because I think those three things are really challenged with respect a day-to-day in our general life, but as as our work life evolves from in-person to hybrid to, to all out for COVID, right? Now we're sort of back in. Some people are in, some people are out communication is now more important than ever. And we have to be very mindful about how we communicate with each other and making sure that we're not making assumptions. And I, I I, feel that assumptions are not something that we do to be mean to people. And I bring that up sometimes with some of my clients and they're like, well, I wasn't doing anything wrong. It's You weren't. I think that most people make assumptions because they want to take care of their teammate. They don't want them to feel stupid. They don't want them to think that they don't, think they're qualified or understand. And it's not about it, anything about intelligence. It's about making sure that your messaging is clear. Are you, do you know what I want you to do? Are you good with that? Can I help you? Do you want any more details? Do you know when I need to buy? Things like that, simple questions. The, the amount of time and money that organizations spend on redoing work or hiring me to come in and work through squabbles between employees because well, I thought you were doing it and why weren't you doing it? That could be alleviated by just a few more questions being asked. It's amazing how much time that will send. But a lot of companies are not training around those kinds of things. We learn how to write an email. We learn how to create a slide deck. We we learn kind of the business side of the communication, how to write a sales pitch, but not about some of the basics of just some of it's just being respectful and saying, hey, I got your email, I'm working on it. So that person mm-hmm. doesn't run off and do it too, because they're wondering why they, they haven't heard back from you, right? So these are the just, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But but communication also has
0: different levels to it, mm-hmm. you know? And and as you're saying, there's communication on email, there's the verbal communication. These days, there's communication on WhatsApp and and text and, 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 so how do you navigate all these platforms and all these things that are happening in a way that it's still streamlined and we all know what we're supposed to be doing when? And it's not a matter of, oh, but I send you a text and you're thinking, oh, I wasn't expecting a text. I thought, we'll be, you know what I mean? Like the confusion that comes with, with all that.
1: It's tricky, right? And now that we've got the the remote team, some people are on Microsoft Teams. And like you said, WhatsApp, and they're communicating all different ways. I think from an organizational standpoint, from a team, if you're a team leader in a company, setting the, the procedures that you want for your team, being very clear on the boundaries and what the expectations are. Hey, we're going to communicate anything having to do with our program by email, or we can use instant messenger or WhatsApp. But setting clear expectations as a leader for what Mm -hmm. how you want your team to work. And that doesn't mean that maybe in the team, if they're working on something, they can text one another to do that, but making sure that you discuss that with your team and say, this is the parameters that we're going to work within. If you want to make changes, fine, but let's discuss them as a group to make sure that there's not misunderstanding. And some people would be like, oh, that's micromanaging, but it's really just making sure that everybody's on the same page. I mean, if you've got people working in 12 different ways then we're back to that throwing money out the door because people are wasting all kinds of time and effort and then that snowballs into disgruntled upset frustration people don't then then you're upset with your your teammate because they're not respecting you and and all kinds of miscommunications and misunderstandings happen there so it benefits the organization to really lay a strong ground groundwork or or that baseline of what's expected so that people know what to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. And and in your book, the ABCs, which is the assumption, boundaries, and communication, just a bit around boundaries. Because we all we all talk about setting boundaries and 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 sometimes other people find it very difficult in the workplace to set boundaries. There's an element of, oh, you're maybe working from home anyway. So just Just get onto that email. Like you've got your laptop there, so just get on it and and see if you can respond. So as team team members, how is it easier for us to to be able to set boundaries? And when is the best time to set boundaries? Because sometimes I get clients that then we go through this issue of boundaries and and they'll be like, you know, I should have done that when I started with this manager.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Boundaries are tricky and maintaining boundaries is even more important to your point. I think that a childhood story that to your point about setting them early and setting them succinctly, I think that sometimes when we wait too long and we've let people push against our boundaries, it becomes this big elephant in the room because now we have to have this serious discussion about something that really just needed a quick, hey, could you do this? Or this is what I need from you. This is my expectation when I was in second grade, my best friend came to dinner at at, uh, my parents' house. And I I always think of this when I talk about boundaries, because her name was Andrea, pronounced Andrea. And she sat down and my dad came home from work and sat down at the dinner table and said, oh, well, who's this? And, and, And she introduced herself and he said, well, it's very nice to meet you, Andrea. And this little second grader said, no, no, sir, it's Andrea. Which what wow. a great, I mean, what a great presence of mind for a second grader to stand up to an adult very politely and very respectfully and say, hey, this is my name and this is how I like it to be said. So please respect that. Learn it from a second grader, right? There's, there was no rudeness. My father wasn't put off by this child telling him how to pronounce her name. It, it was done like that. And a lot of times I think we are uncomfortable standing up for ourselves because we think kind of like the assumptions, we think we're going to offend somebody and Really, if we do, that's kind of their problem, not ours. If I want you to call me by my name properly, then I can ask for that. So setting the boundaries. And and a lot of times, again, if we set it early, it doesn't have to be the big conversation. I, I go through a series of case studies in the book, and we talk about like the Monday morning meeting, and people are showing up late, and they're not coming prepared. And if the the boss just lets that go and then it snowballs, now you've got half the team not coming because they didn't push back and say, hey, I I set the expectation that we're meeting on Mondays at 9 a.m., be here, be prepared. That's just it, right? But Mm -hmm. then you wait a little while and no, now now the team, it's become almost a virus through the team. Some people are showing up late, some people aren't coming, they're not coming prepared. And now he has to have this serious conversation with the entire team of, look, I asked for this. Now it has to be a big deal. Instead of simply just saying to the first person that was late is, Hey, could you try to make it at nine o'clock? I'd like to start the meeting on time on Mondays. It's really important. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I think boundaries are such a are such a topic. <laughs> yes.
0: Either in personal life or in the workplace. And and I'm finding that in the workplace, there's this sense of if if I put up this boundary, all of a sudden, I might be seen like I don't want to work or maybe I'm not showing up as part of the team because when there are Friday drinks and I think I don't want to do Friday drinks. It's not my thing. I actually want to go to my family. Now I'm not showing up as part of the team. So there are all these nuances that um, individuals, you, you have to, yeah, it, oh, like, yeah, it, it seems daunting sometimes.
1: It is, and I, I think a lot of it comes back to that mutual respect of your teammates and understanding who they are and their values, and and they're still bringing value to the team, but they value their family, and it's not that they don't want to spend time, but maybe you could do a lunch sometime so that you could include you can include everybody, right? Because not everybody mm-hmm. wants to do the same thing. When we're young, happy hour is a great thing, right? When we're building our network and and getting, but as you get older and you have families, your priorities shift and teams that are multi-generational struggle with that because they've mm. got the, the young folks that are into the networking and going out and, and having drinks or dinner in the evening. Whereas the, you know, the midlife folks, we've got babies to put to bed and and tub time and dinner and, and ironing. I mean, we've got stuff to do. And then you've got the, the more senior folks who are just, they're slowing down a little bit. Maybe they're going to see the grandkids, maybe they're reading, doing hobbies and things like that. So trying to find ways that you can include everybody in team building activities is, is a challenge, but it's not, it's not something you can't be done. It's one of those things of talking to your team and having them brainstorm and maybe bringing them into the idea of how can we find something that we could all do? It's not that we don't want to spend time with one another, but we need to find something that benefits everybody, not just pieces.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think, I think the intergenerational teams element is, is, is critical. And and just being able to lead that on its own, it's a skill because you need to understand where everybody's at and and what are their ambitions and, and really try and 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 have the be the overseer of all their ambitions and support them for different things at different spaces. And and as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about my my I'm a mother of three kids a 30-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 10-year-old. And, a and all of it is just like, okay, this one needs that. This one needs something else. <laughs> You're a leader. I mean, we're leaders in our home. That's right. And trying to support everybody with different things is something else. But yeah, it's real. It's really real. Um, In fact, as you were speaking, what popped into my head is How do you, what's the best way of doing team building activities when people are remote and people are all over the place?
1: There there are lots of ways that you can do team building remote. You can do trainings, you can do lunches. I think that, I I mean, you could Google and there's probably hundreds of different things on there. I, I get asked that question by clients a lot, actually. And Well, what can I do here? What can I do there? I like things where you can have fun and talk a little bit about yourself without going too deep because some people are uncomfortable with giving too much personal information, but still learning as a team. So finding things like we always did brown bags. When I was in government, they had brown bags, which was lunch. You brought your lunch. You sat in a conference room, you ate lunch together, and people would volunteer to be in charge of the topic. And it could be anything. It could be, this is how I bake cookies. This is my recipe. I brought in cookies for everybody to try. It's my favorite hobby. Then you could have people that come in and talk about, maybe if I were working there and I wrote the book, I could come in and talk about my book and and get everybody to to get a copy of the book. And we would talk about that. There's a lot of reading groups that are are big, uh, book clubs, things like that. So you're still, and you can mix it up. Again, it doesn't have to be all work. You can do some fun books as well. The key, I think, to successful... Developmental types of things that you're going to do with your teams that are making your team a part of the decision-making process for what you're going to do. Obviously, if it costs money, the organization has to, you know, has parameters that they're going to work within. But if you can involve your team in the decision-making process of what you're going to be doing, does two things. I think one, it empowers them to feel like, hey, they care what I say. They want to do what I'd like to do. Someone's asking me what I want to do. And that gets everybody excited and it creates buy-in because now if they've been a part of the decision, then they're more likely to attend and intend with intent to participate than just get there like, oh, okay, here's another one of these things that they're doing for us. And I guess I have to be here, so I'll show up, but I'll be playing Minesweeper or something behind my behind my Zoom camera or on my phone the whole time, right? You want them to be mm-hmm. involved.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think that's true. Um, and I think COVID kind of pushed us in some shape, way, or form um, to find some of these things. Um, but we seem to be forgetting because now that other people are really going back to the offices, it feels like now there's this daunting thing about, oh, like we're, we're forgetting that we actually did work remote for two years. <laughs> and now these questions are being asked again. Um, and and what tips can you give to leaders or, or managers that really um are, are managing people in remote, in remote um, that are, are in remote spaces?
1: I think the number one thing is leaders have stopped asking how their team is, how they are. During COVID, we were very good about being concerned about our neighbor, being concerned about how are you, how are things going, how's your family, how are you feeling, how are you transitioning. And now because we're back to somewhat normal, even if we're remote or in person, we've stopped asking our teams that. And, and we've taught them that we cared and now we don't care. So it's very, I think it's very confusing and jarring for some folks that are very aligned with that kind of environment where somebody does care about them, that I think that leaders have forgotten that, how's, how's this working for you? And we've thrown their lives into upheaval. So they got to work from home. Maybe they got to spend more time with family. A lot of people had babies during COVID, right? They got to spend a lot of time with, now they're being dragged away from their babies and back to the office or their dogs or their pets or whatever they got. spent time with loved ones. A lot of people moved. So now they're having to refigure out what the, the situation looks like. So there's been a lot of change, which I think impacts people very differently. I personally am a lover of change because I think with every change brings such opportunity. But that's not necessarily the norm. So for my number one thing for leaders is to check in with your folks. How are things going? How are you transitioning back? What do you need from me? Doesn't mean that you can give them everything that they're going to ask for. They may say, well, I want to stay remote. That might not be an option, but let's talk about it. Let's see how to get you what you need so that we set you up to be successful, which sets our team up for success, which sets the leader up for success, and then the organization by default. So it's just that kind of some of the human elements that we really leaned into in a crisis. But now that we're not in crisis, it's like we kind of almost forget our manners once we're around the house for a while. Right. It's kind of like we've settled back into some bad habits and um, some of it's very simple things to do. Yeah. And, and I
0: think, yeah. And, and we used to ask people a lot about how and, and we would be engaged with an answer. Isn't that the thing? Would listen and
1: hear. Yes.
0: Yeah. No. I think. I think that's 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 a powerful one. Like let's continue um, those type of conversations that really engages the person, and it's just not by default. You know. So sometimes I hear some of my clients uh, complaining about um, their leaders that are not even doing weekly check ins and uh, are. they speak to them maybe when there's a crisis, that type of stuff. If if you're really leading remotely, like what are those small, what are other things that you really need to be cognizant about?
1: I think curiosity is a very powerful skill for a leader to have. They talk about it in coaching all the time. We, We, as coaches, we're curious about most things and that's kind of how we help people. But as leaders, as bosses, as supervisors, being curious is is a really powerful skill getting to know your people asking them questions checking in to your point i think that clear procedures processes things that are clear for you clear for your team so that everybody knows what the procedures are i also think that consistency is important and mm-hmm. it's not always possible but if you are and not just within your team right one off policies are really Tricky. Well, why does this person have it? Why does that person have it? We shouldn't be comparing ourselves to other people in the office, but human nature—we always look at. She got two cookies. I only got one. What? What does that mean? Uh, should I read into this? Right. Then our assumption brain starts going crazy. Like, why? Why did that happen? Mm-hmm. But trying to make sure that we're consistent in how we're approaching things, and even consistent in how we're doing things over and over as leaders. So, if you're going to meet with your staff uh, for one-on-ones. Maybe do it every month. If that's too much, maybe do it every quarter, but be consistent about it and then make that time important. Make, make the effort to make it happen because you're teaching people to look forward to that time with you. You're teaching them to prepare for that, to, to uh, appreciate that time with you, to have your ear. Not all employees get the opportunity to, to talk to their bosses because they're very busy. Everybody's very busy. Um, mm-hmm. I spoke to somebody recently that told me they hate the word busy. I'm so tired of hearing everybody tell me they're busy. Everybody's busy. That's the baseline. We're all busy. It's just a matter of how we, how we flex our time and how we prioritize. And as leaders, we can be in charge of how we prioritize. I know there's deadlines and all of those things, but part of being a leader is making sure that the people that you're leading have what they need.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 it's all about the support. And 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 I think I think I think that's the biggest thing, if anybody can take anything out of this conversation, is how you support your team. Yeah. Um, and for them to be successful, because if they are successful, you are successful and the organization is successful. And and that for me, um, I in fact, I remember the story where I Oh yeah, I left an organization, and somebody oh, and for a, a, a while, um, that team that used to report into me now had to report into my boss, the person who was my boss. and And I had lunch with one of my, fo- my team my team members, yeah, my former team member at that point in time. And she said to me, "I need to thank you." that you always shielded us from some of the things that were happening. Now we are getting it directly and it is such a difficult thing to deal with. And I was like, wow, I never realized, uh, thought about it. But when she said it, it it really made sense.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's thankless and they don't even realize it until they do, or they get promoted to a position and they think, wow. Yeah,
0: no. Le- leading people <laughs> is something else. But I think if if you support and and if you show up for them, I think that's that becomes the biggest thing. And that leads me to the question of when you're onboarding somebody new and it's all remote, what what are what like one or two things that at least as a leader you just need to make sure it's in place so that you make this person feel that they are joining a team and, and you f- make them feel welcomed.
1: So onboarding, I think, is really, really vital to the success of the employee coming in and how you approach it. Part of the team, definitely having as many opportunities for them to interact with each member of the team. You could do, have them do a one-on-one with each of them so that they get to understand how they work, what they work on, what their roles and responsibilities, how they're going to interact. I think having a collective meeting a few times so that they are very clear on what the communication protocols are, what the hours are, what the breakdown of work is, what the roles and responsibilities are. I I think a lot of meetings, their first week, they're probably going to be filling out paperwork and just, we always say what, drinking from the fire hose, right? just going from meeting to meeting, and maybe you scatter those out. Maybe you have them meet with each of your your members of your team the first week, kind of as an introduction, just an easygoing one. Then maybe a couple of weeks in, they have another follow-up so that they can check in and say, what are you experiencing? How how can I help you? And they can get a little bit deeper because in the beginning, it's hard for them to ask questions because they don't know what they don't know. So that way they kind of have that, those check-ins. I also think that we abandon employees very quickly. They come in, they start doing their job, they figure out what it is they need to do. And then all of a sudden they're no longer, they're always called the new person because they're the newest person, but they're not treated like the new person anymore. And and I think that sometimes the employee can drive that because no one likes to be the new guy, right? It's like, I don't want to be the new person. But there is benefits in making sure that we continue to nurture that and, and grow that place in the team by tr- making sure that they we don't assume that they've already picked up all of the things they they understand the mission they understand the values and the vision of the company they know how to do these things i have a chapter in the book called adaptive oversight and i think that it's a skill that very talented leaders have where you're able to adjust your leadership style by your employee based on how to how to help them best and for some especially your newer employees you have to micromanage them a little bit they don't know what they're doing and you have to kind of be there to guide them letting them fail so that they can learn is is a powerful thing but letting them fail when they didn't have all the information almost feels like proving a point so you want to make sure that you are giving a little extra care and feeding to the new folks until they demonstrate that they are up to speed. And some will do that quicker than others. And again, being adaptive in how you oversee what people are doing, you can adjust your leadership style by the nature of how each of your your folks works.
0: Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think those are great tips. And I hope somebody can can take something out of that. So so what are the three things that you you would like somebody to take out of our conversation today?
1: Number 1, I think that great leaders are great because they want to be. So keep growing, keep learning, keep trying to be a good leader cuz those are always the best. 2, I think that we should really be mindful about the way that we communicate our assumptions, boundaries and communications they show up every day in challenges and if we take a step back at any complexity that we're having or experiencing and think "Hmm, am i making an assumption here or my boundary is not quite right was i clear most times it's one of those three or a combination and the third thing is value the power of the team right we just, we're so much stronger when we work together and we pull the strengths of the many instead of trying to do things on our own. You can work on your own at times, but there really is value in, in supporting one another, working together and being all in on the idea that standing alone can be really lonely. If you get the opportunity to be a part of a team, be a part of the team and be a productive wow. and supportive member of the team.
0: Yeah. And and I'm just going to throw this question. It is so random and and you must excuse me because I'm just like that. As you're speaking something else pops into my head. Um like like sometimes in teams there are pe- there are people that are very competitive, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um there are people that want to be the ones that must be seen to be doing better than the other team members. Like so how how do we deal with that in a team environment? And, and how do we make it to work as messy as it can get sometimes?
1: I think that's a mindset shift for the person that's competitive. And I think that I'm a very competitive person. As I mentioned, I, I grew up playing sports and I've always been very competitive, but I'm competitive with myself. I know that when I do something, well, I can do it better. I can make it better. I can try harder. I can improve upon that. And when I get into a team that translates to, I want us all to win. I want, I want the team to win. You, you get to shift the mindset of that person is to get them to look that, okay, you can be competitive, but let's be competitive for the team, be competitive for your teammate over here. And when they achieve, then you're super excited. And it's tricky. there are some people that will never get there and never understand that value of lifting the other person lifts you up too, but mm. i I don't think it's impossible. I think if they they start to see the value and the the camaraderie and the the benefits of that, I think that people can shift it may not be permanent. it may be with certain teams, certain people, but I don't see that as something that's a deal breaker for a member of a team. But I do think it's something that they probably need some coaching around. They probably need to talk to somebody about, hey, where's this coming from? How can we harness that competitiveness to benefit you by benefiting the people around you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's a good point. Anyway, thanks, Kelly. Um, Where can people find you on social media?
1: I'm mostly on LinkedIn. Kelly Featheringham, I'm on there. Uh, that's the number one place I hang out. I'm on Facebook and and Instagram as well, but not quite as as prominent. So many it's, there's so many channels these days. I like LinkedIn. Yeah, and where where do people find your book? You can find the book on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles. It looks like this, so yeah. Maximizing team performance by. Mastering, Mastering. Your, A,
0: your ABCs, assumptions, boundaries, and communication. Yes. Yeah, I think that's powerful, in fact. Very, very powerful. And and I, think, and I think sometimes when we talk about maximizing team whatever, we always focus on the productivity and these other things. But those three things that you put out, there uh, can harness um, the power of the team.
1: It is. It's amazing how there's a series of questions in there. I call it an assessment that you can you can ask yourself if you're having a challenge during your day. And it is pretty interesting that something, the something in what's going on usually ends up in, in one of those three lanes. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something you're doing. It could be something somebody else is doing, but it's typically around one of those three behaviors, which is... Yeah fascinating to figure that out wow thank you thank you for taking the time
0: to to chat with me it's really been great to meet you as a person and and I hope we will. well I'll yeah I'll, I'll I think we'll have another conversation I think there are a lot of leadership conversations that that we can have because for me leadership is really what propels um it it goes because it's got a huge impact on other people, it's a subject that is very close to my heart. And, and I think there's a lot that we we can talk about. And as I always say, if one person takes something out of this conversation, I'm good.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah. This was wonderful. I love talking about teams and all of it. So I appreciate the opportunity to come and talk to you about it. Thank you. So for anybody who was hearing
0: us, thank you for sticking around and um, continue to comment like share and we are grateful for you to to be on this platform and we will see you in the next episode thank you very much thank you for listening to change conversations if you enjoyed our show and you would like to help support the podcast Please share it with others and kindly post about it on your social media platforms. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and YouTube at Change Conversations with Mbume. I am Mbume Ngubedaga signing out and I will see you again next week.